Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone. This is episode 127. Wow, of Jackson Talks, everybody. And um, we are currently doing this kind of first round of this thing that I think would be really cool. If you're watching via YouTube, you can see that there's more than one guest. If you're just listening, we're kind of doing a men's round table tonight. The first of its kind, we'll basically have a candid discussion about manhood, being a man, masculinity, uh, modern dating. And then I plan to do one with women as well and then kind of bring everyone together for like this whole honest discussion about current times, modern dating, things of that nature. So we're going to kind of introduce who's here with me tonight, then we're going to get into kind of the meat and bones of the episode. So first off, we have Jordan, Austin, and Kyle. And so before we get into it, I do want to ask you guys the most important question, the question that I ask everyone that comes on this podcast. It's more important than any other question that I will ask you tonight. And it's even more important because we're couple guys or four guys to be exact and to have these kind of honest conversations I think is really important it moves the needle forward in the direction that it needs to go so Jordan I'll start with you how are you doing like really how are you doing mm. I couldn't imagine me any better right now mm. great day is that honest that's honest why um, I don't know I usually start most days neutral and then I'll determine whether they go bad or good later on. Woke up on the right side of the ground today. Mm-hmm. Um, had a productive day at work. It was just a good day. Do you? Is it a? Is it a conscious decision to wake up feeling neutral? Or is that how it's always been? Huh. Sometimes I feel like it's out of my control. Sometimes I wake up absolutely miserable. Um, that's a rarity these days, though. Um, I think it's a conscious decision to be happy. Sure. Um, which I don't really have conscious thoughts until about an hour and a half after I wake up. <laughs> so Fair enough. We just wake up neutral and then go from there. Austin? <clears throat> Aaron? How are you, man? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I think uh, these last few months have had a lot of variables and a lot of crazy uh, transitions in life, mm-hmm. um, which I assume we'll talk about tonight. But I'm sure we'll get um, to a few of them. Yeah, I think we'll yeah, maybe cover off on a few of them. But um, obviously, just moved to the place that we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Just moved in with Kyle. So we are uh, froomies, uh, fresh roomies. And uh, it's been good. I think uh, it's been a pretty crazy transitional period for me. Um, but things are really, I think, getting teed up super well, and there's a lot of a lot of things that have really worked out um, for the better recently. So, um, yeah, things are good, but I would say overall, I'm all right. I think I'm reeling in from a lot of that, a lot of that change, a lot of that transition, and also looking ahead to um, other things that I'm aiming towards and moving towards. So, um, it's been good though. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. Do you feel like you're coming? You're on the back end of the transitional phase. Is that why it's all right? Because it's been you've been in the grind of it, of the stress of it all, and now you're coming out of it? Or you still feel like you're in the middle of the trenches? Um, I think there's been a lot that's overcome in the last, in the last uh, I mean, a few weeks especially, but a few months for sure. I mean, moving to a new city in the last year and a half. Um, I feel like I've been here forever, but, you know, I, I look at the calendar and I, I realize and, and uh, I look back at, you know, my 
living in Chicago and, and back in my family and I'm like, man, it's, it's been, it really has not been that long at all. So I think a lot of that's been just kind of um, still processing how new I am here, figuring out what's next, figuring out um, still really who I am in Dallas, honestly. And uh, so it, it, it's been good, but I think, I think there's kind of the, the short term, um, the short term changes and obviously the long term changes. And I feel like with the short term, really largely over that, um, but I think I'm also just trying to be a little more introspective and looking at what's ahead and figuring out, hey, what do my next few years look like? And um, also what do my next few months look like too at the same time? So um, definitely on the, on the back end on some things, but really have overcome, I think a lot. Um, yeah, a lot of that, a lot too, so. Sweet, yeah. thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for asking. Kyle, how are you, man? You're right. Everything yeah, good? yeah, I'm so, good. Tell me, I'm good. Um, kind of like Austin. A lot of change in the last six weeks. Um, six weeks specifically. Yeah, left a, an old job, started a new job. In between then, for about ten days, I was in Europe for the first time. Mm. So first time doing that, where I had no job or nothing to come back to until I started the new job. New job started. Old roommate left. New roommate came in. Um, and yeah, it's been good. Been a little hectic just in terms of schedule. Usually I like time just to kind of unwind and have a day just to myself. But it's been busy in a good way, which I don't usually say. Usually I need a little bit more to feel 100% when it comes to just a little R&R. Mm. But it's it's been good and for the better. Mm. Yeah. Have uh, you and Austin um, spoke about uh, potentially some boundaries when it comes to needing some alone time? You know, I know you can just walk into your room. And yeah. Sometimes that's like, that feels a little awkward or like someone might be upset at that point or something might be wrong if you yeah. just walk into your room. I mean, maybe that discussion doesn't need to be had, but sometimes I think it might, I think it can be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I'll, honestly, I'll just go to my room. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, if, uh, if the door's closed, I mean, I work from home too, so my bedroom is my office. Mm. So depends on if someone sends me a quick message, hey, can you jump on a call? Or is it hey, do I need like half hour because I was on a three hour training and I need just 30 minutes to unwind. So um, yeah, a little different and each day is different. It's not the same nine to five, but at the same time it's, oh, do I have time to come out for lunch? And if he's around, we'll talk for a little bit or Mm -hmm. if I just need time to come in, grab a quick snack and go back to my room, I will. Sure. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of questions about you working from home yeah, sure. and being in your office, but I, I don't want that to be the, I don't want to ask, well, I'm going to ask anyways. Oh, anyway, yeah. Because have, yeah. have I, I think about this a lot. I think about um, doing work in the same space that you potentially should be doing other stuff. Yeah. Like when I think about the bedroom, I think about, okay, that's where I sleep and that's where I have sex. Yeah. And so when my body goes into that room, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Right? I know those are two very different things. Like sex, you're like ramping up, getting excited. There's some adrenaline. Usually another person's there. Yeah. Uh, sleep is like, yeah, sleep is like the opposite. And then you're adding this like third dynamic sure. of like work where you have to be focused and alert. And so, I mean, uh, have you found any of those things to be challenging because they're all in one space? Have you found it harder to fall asleep? Anything like that? For falling asleep, once I finally turn off the TV or like, when I'm off my phone, 10 minutes after, I'm usually out. Yeah, And wow. I'm able to do it that way. When I, when I start feeling tired, I'll turn it off. But working from my bedroom is definitely different 
there's certain since I'm in cybersecurity, there's certain information that is a little bit more technical, a little bit more discreet. So mm. you know, I try to have my headset on so I can't really hear much uh-huh. outside. But when it comes to separating, I do have an office. If I want to go in, I can. It's 25 minutes away. Really, my boss is very cool about it. And if I if there's leadership in town or he wants to meet, he's like, hey, I'll be here Wednesday. Come. If not, get your job done. Do what you need to. That's kind of how we left it. So. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have the freedom to say, hey, I need to go to the grocery store. In between my meetings, I'm going to run real quick because sure. it's right across the street. But if not, I know when I need to get my work done. If there's a deadline or something that I need to finish in a certain amount of time. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I just found it a little humorous when you said usually there's somebody else there when you're ramping up for six. Well, it could be like a solo <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be a solo endeavor. Some people treat themselves nicely like that and have a, like a ritual for how they want to do that. I do treat myself. So, you know, this is kind of the situation yeah, what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways. <clears throat> so thanks for answering that question. Yeah. All right, let's get into let's get into this. So uh, the reason I wanted to do this, this specific thing was I think the three of you are at very different points in sort of your dating life. Um, and so I think there's a lot of discussion in today's society about modern dating the woman, the man, traditional roles, non-traditional roles, masculinity, toxic masculinity, what's being a man, all of these things. And I've thought a lot about this stuff um, and I've talked about it recently on my podcast, Solo. And so I wanted to bring in some other opinions um, and some other things so we could have this, this discussion. And so my first question, and anyone can take this, we don't have to go in any specific order here, is, is when you hear the word masculinity, what does that mean to you specifically? Uh, that depends a lot on the context. Okay. Do you have a specific context in mind? Okay, so let me let me relate it to <clears throat> this idea of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. So, what is let's say I don't like to use the word positive and negative, but I'm in this context, it's, it makes sense, right? What's this sort of positive? conducive, productive sort of masculinity, and then what? when does it become toxic? Okay, uh, I'll, I'll take that one okay. for a little bit. Um, Please. I think um, as far as the uh, positive, productive masculinity goes, um, in a sense, there's a, a societal expectation of um, men to be in control of certain situations, mm-hmm. um, to be caretakers, um, to be the responsible ones for um, protecting, providing for their family. Um, I think anything that, that falls under those, ca- not anything that falls under those categories, because there are extremes, and that's what we'll get to the toxic masculinity portion, um, but you know, the, the taking the initiative, taking control of, of certain situations, um, being the most, a lot of men are the primary breadwinners of their family. Mm-hmm. Um, those are forms of positive masculinity. Um, toxic masculinity, when men become a bit controlling over their partner, mm-hmm. um, controlling who they can talk to, what they can post on the internet, mm-hmm. um, what they can wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there might be a, uh, another line where it's, it's 
you know, and understand the role as the male in the uh, relationship to, you know, be that that breadwinner um, or the, the caretaker of the family, but then you utilize that to degrade or talk down to mm-hmm. your significant other because of that, mm-hmm. or you use it to guilt trip them or make them feel bad or, or something. Um, so those are my initial thoughts. If anybody wants to go from there. Yeah. Oh, oh kind of go up next. I think masculinity, when you initially say the word masculinity, I think we can oftentimes think immediately to what is portrayed in society. And I think oftentimes toxic is always added to the front of masculinity mm-hmm. when you hear that word. So I think masculinity has changed quite a bit over the last, I mean, honestly, a few years, but especially in the last few decades. And um, it's hard to kind of, obviously, Aaron, listen to your, your podcast and having conversations with you. I think um, masculinity has been something that in the last few years, I would say, in the last two years, probably has been a little bit more reclaimed. Um, I think it's been something as men, it's, it's, um, we've been taught to be a little bit ashamed of it, um, masculinity. And, and honestly, to Jordan's point, there's a lot of aspects of masculinity that, that I think are overdone and intensified. And that's the, the point in a relationship in, um, in an environment where masculinity can be overpowering and that's when it does become toxic but I do think there's a lot of benefits to masculinity and and obviously of course within um, each gender and, and their um, really their strengths and their ad- advantages in a lot of ways um, to where masculinity is something that um, does have a lot of room and it looks like a lot of different things but uh, it's really truly something for me that when I what I viewed it as when I was a kid versus what I view it as now um, it really does take a lot of different forms, and I think masculinity can be pretty complex um, depending on which environment that it is. So I think that from personal experience, I think masculinity can look a lot like not going to a bar, someone's messing with your buddies or talking to you know the girl or the person that you're with, and automatically the first response is, let's get angry, let's get vicious, let's deal with this in a physical way. But oftentimes I think it is really taking charge of the situation, figuring out how to have a realistic conversation. Always, of course, willing to go to the certain points points to protect the people that are your people. But at the same time, I, I do think that um, masculinity for me has kind of changed over the last few years, has, has intensified, but I've also, I think, understood it a little bit more um, in recent years than I have in the past of it being more of a blanket term or a blanket statement, but now really understanding a little bit more now where um, oftentimes it, it doesn't always mean carrying, you know, the biggest stick to, to beat someone, but it may look like having um, a more direct conversation, a more intentional conversation, conversation, more patient, patient conversation to ultimately reach a desired goal of, of um, avoiding conflict if you have to, but if the, the time does come to approach conflict and be ready to take it on, take it on fully. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I have a question yes. yeah. before I forget it. Um, to Austin's most recent, you know, carrying the big stick. Uh, at this point in your life, does it seem to be a more masculine? Um, so, from my perspective, it seems to be a more masculine thing to keep your composure and to stay calm. Mm-hmm. I think, at, from my own perspective of seeing the guys that lose their temper early, 
I don't, I don't see them as masculine. I see them almost as cowardly. Not that those are antonyms of each other, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, when I'm thinking of the characteristics of somebody that's masculine, a coward is not what I put under that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like it's mostly the men that have self-esteem issues or lack self-confidence or are afraid of. Um, it, for your case of um, another man talking to the the girl that you're with. They're, they obviously fear that uh, they're vulnerable um, to losing her mm-hmm. to another guy um, for whatever the case may be. So in my view, it seems more masculine to keep your composure or stay calm in those situations than to get angry and, and blow up. And I'm just curious if you guys had similar, a similar view on that. Yeah. It's a, I would say more insecurity and I had a situation probably a couple months ago where it was at a club and I introduced myself saying hi since I was a new person in the group and introduced myself to a guy the girl next to him and talking to her for a couple minutes she was from Florida where I'm from and he was like hey that's my girlfriend by the way I'm like cool like you know no, that, that's you know good for you but I'm just saying hi and you know he might have got a little defensive which you know teach your own but it's kind of like okay is is it trusting that relationship or Am I just a random who you don't know and don't know my intentions, which I, I understand I've been on the other side of that, but you know, it's not get angry, get mad. I don't like being that way. I don't like yelling. I don't like being like confrontational. That's not my MO, but I don't know. I feel like now too, with where we are in society and I don't know, I've taken personality tests. I've taken like Myers-Briggs, Enneagrams. I've taken what Harry Potter house are you? And you know, you talk about all these different things and you try to figure out what type of person you are and it might not be a direct peg of this is who you are and I that's you know even horoscope signs like oh you're such a this and like what does that mean like I don't know what that's supposed to entail like maybe the horoscope might say something about this but it also can cover a multitude of different aspects so yeah just can be very confusing at times yeah yeah <clears throat> I think to that point too, just like having, I think masculinity also really encompasses having emotional intelligence, which is something I think we all, we have to look at. I mean, at we, you know, we, we have our parents, we have our grandparents and our grandparents grew up in the fifties and sixties era where that was a just completely different, different time of, of society where it was, it really was, I mean, back to what Jordan was talking about, where it was, okay, it was a breadwinner. The, the mom stayed at home. The dad was, was the breadwinner had this kind of, you know, was gone nine to five, would come back, have a glass of whiskey, maybe see the kids a little bit, you know, have dinner with, with the family, whatever. But I mean, it really has changed quite a bit. But I, th- I think the biggest thing now is that oftentimes that we still are reeling in from our parents and our grandparents and kind of that sort of generational gap, but really emotional intelligence back to that point too, where it's like, you know, and we're in a way there's kind of that animalistic mentality. We're like, this is mine. I want to protect it. I'm going to, I'm going to just yell yeah, I'm gonna scream, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna have this sort of behavior. But in reality, masculinity is also willingness and ability to diffuse a situation yeah. in a way where I think masculinity can be, I will avoid conflict at all costs until I absolutely have to be involved in conflict. And then at that point, I can do what I need to do in that environment. So, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, that, I think that's the basis of it. I think one thing that has to be made clear is that when people hear this idea of masculinity, they immediately assume male, right? It has nothing to do with 
like just being a man, right? These are masculine and feminine. They're just like character traits, they're energy that you possess. And in all, in, in like kind of the best people that exist in the world, they have traits from both sides. Now they're gonna be dominant on either one and that's a biological thing, right? And so men are, are um, more, have more masculine traits than feminine traits, but the stuff that you're talking about is the addition of some of these feminine traits, right? When I think of like a very masculine man, I think of someone who understands their capacity for sort of danger and violence, but has all of those things under voluntary control. And so you think of someone like a, someone who does martial arts, right? I know how to defend myself in all sorts of situations, but I don't do it until it's 100% absolutely the last resort because I have all of these things under voluntary control. And so I think when people hear, like Jordan Peterson says this all the time, right? You wanna be the most dangerous man you can be. And when people hear the word dangerous, they immediately assume like violence or aggression um, and all of these things. But I think really that just means like this, like large degree of competence that surrounds you. Like you, you have ability to be sophisticated with your language and your words and you understand your emotions and you're competent and you have this ability to be tough and dangerous when you need to be if the moment presents itself and that's the only result um, and that's the last resort that you have and so then right all all systems become like tyrannical like that's really what toxic masculinity is when they reach a point where it's all about greed and power like what Jordan was talking about right if I'm controlling you if I just have this sort of dominance over you where you can't live your own life where everything is mine and nothing is yours, right? Then it becomes, you're, you're a tyrant. You're not a masculine man. You're not a providing man. You're not a partner. You're not anything. You're just a tyrant. And so that's, of course, when it becomes the sort of idea of toxic masculinity. But that word is, is brought in so much into the picture that I think young boys are getting so confused about what their masculine traits are and if they're allowed to display them at all because if they display them at all in any sort of moment they're deemed a sort of toxic little angry boy who can't control his emotions and i think that's where we run into an issue because young people are very impressionable as we know we see it on social media all the time right whether you're around kids or not you can see how impressionable they are they want to be they want to have a sense of belonging that's the biggest need for a kid and so if everyone is telling you that you're this and you shouldn't be this even if you think that you're this you're going to fall into this category because you want to you want to have a sense of belonging and we we even do that as adults and so that's where i think it becomes like a a, a trap and it becomes really quite dangerous for our society because we need men we need women too we need everyone to do kind of their part whatever their part is right part isn't like this like binary thing you have to do it's like whatever you feel inclined to do but um that's what i feel about the sort of idea of sort of masculinity mm -hmm. and trying to um, infuse some of these characteristics that have been uh you know biologically hardwired into us and then infuse them with some of the other more complicated things that we, we need to come to terms with like you're in a brand new relationship right you started dating this girl. And so you have to have this ability to have hard conversations, to express yourself in a way where she can understand you, mm -hmm. right? And not get mad or point a finger or yell because the relationship wouldn't, wouldn't move past any sort of point. And so, like, that's really only learned through just like a bunch of experience. But we can model that behavior. And I know I'm speaking a lot, so I should let someone else go. But that's, that's, that's at least what I've been thinking about and trying to... Uh, 
like really get clear on what that means. Mm-hmm. So, I have another question. Yeah. Um, so your your point about young young men, young boys mm-hmm. um, getting mixed messages about what parts of their masculinity they can show. Yeah. Do you think that it is? I'm going to say once. I'm going to start with one side, and then it'll make sense in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's more so they're being told that they have to suppress certain parts mm-hmm. while at the same time not being encouraged to display a, you know, like the uh, communication side. Mm-hmm. So our, 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 their young boys are being taught, you know, don't be aggressive, don't be violent, but they're not being encouraged to, you know, talk about their emotions or how you're feeling, um, or teach them being taught how to communicate more effectively. Um, I can I can say I don't know. It's maybe the same for you guys. I was never taught how to communicate. And I had to teach myself how to communicate mm-hmm. uh, through very difficult uh, situations, and I feel like that's the case for most boys growing up. They don't ever get taught how to communicate. Um, Groups of boys don't talk about their feelings like groups of girls, so you don't ever get any sort of uh, experience growing up talking about your emotions. Do you think that's also uh, the current case in society? I think the current case in society is uh, two extremes. I think it's it's one that the idea is that all men are shit, everything they've ever done is shit, and they should just like move aside, not do anything, sit down so that they don't fucking ruin anything else that's ever happened. That's, you hear that a lot, mm-hmm. right? You talk to the modern woman about dating and they're like, it's all men's fault. I hope they cease to exist. We don't need them anymore, right? This is not a large portion, this, but this people do believe this fact. And then built out of that extreme is the other, is the other end is that is sort of this idea of toxic masculinity. I don't like using that word, but we've said it a lot, you know, today. But it's like the extreme version of what some of these traits could be, like uh, having women as property, owning them, controlling them, telling them what to do, you know, not letting them have any agency over their life, right? Those two are extremes, but one is born out of the other. And young boys are going to fall into either one of those traps because they see this, but then they also see this. And they're like, they can pick either path. Am I going to be this like weak, docile person who just lets everyone run over me? Or I'm going to basically do what these guys are doing, which is a little bit more appealing because they're successful. They have a lot of women around them. They seem to be looking good. They're in physical condition. They're tough. People respect them. So this is sort of a better path, this extreme, because at least gives a more productive person. But obviously there's huge downfalls to that. And so... To your question, right, the idea is bringing it into this sort of middle ground where women who have over the last 50 years elevated themselves incredibly high, right? They are doing amazing things, which obviously they should be, right? They've elevated their standards and who they are, right? And women have to have very high standards because they have a lot more at risk than we do, sexually speaking and otherwise. So they should be very picky and their standards should be very high. And so that means men also then have to elevate our standards. And so the way we do that is by having this sort of middle path, the sort of yin and yang of the sort of the strong man, where we can kind of toe between both of these ideas, that we understand that we can be sort of competent and caring, tough and kind, like the most contradictory words, but 
trying to display all of those things. And so <clears throat> how we do that is that we have to have sort of these role models that exist in young boys' life. That's why sports are so powerful, right? But there's very few teachers, especially at like the kindergarten, middle school level who are male. So they're not getting a male role model. We don't know what type of father you have at the house or if there is one at all. And so there's a lot of dynamic factors that go into play into trying to produce sort of the next generation of strong, competent, capable, caring, passionate young men. Um, and so, but the, the biggest problem now is these sort of two sorts of extremes, which counteract each other and they're trying to redirect each other, right? And so that's the, that's the largest problem I see in sort of that. And then that leads into the biggest challenge that I think men have today, which is like not knowing which path they should be on, not seeing where they belong in society because they don't know what to do. They don't want to be this tyrannical man and they don't also want to be this weak man. And so they feel like they have no place to fit in. And so they just do nothing. It's a very good point. And I hope it gets brought up again when we start talking about modern day because <laughs> uh, that's why I have mentally prepared for this podcast yeah, <laughs> so that, that's what I think um, anyone have any thoughts on that I, I agree completely with that I mean I um, yeah I think especially I mean as, as we've grown up but even look at our at our younger years I mean you would be you know in, in elementary school and given I'm not in elementary school anymore so I can't really speak to the uh, the state of the elementary education system at the moment but I mean you, you'd even do something you did a specific sport you did something and you would be called a whatever something yeah. that was you know the slur or whatever and it's one of those things where okay there's there's a little bit more of like you either did this or you did that and mm -hmm. if you did that then you fell into this category and if you did this it's like you you were only a man if you played football you're only a man if you did this if you only did that and like um i think of course things have changed throughout the years and we've been able to kind of really i think identify more of that middle ground and of course there's there's strengths on both ends of it as, as well from, from what you said, but there, that middle ground really wasn't defined for a long time. And I think especially as in the, in the age and the uh, environment that we grew up in, we really kind of had to pioneer and, and pave that quite a bit, um, especially. But uh, yeah, really, I mean, really, really interesting point. So I've, I've honestly, I've not, I've not thought about it from that spectrum, um, that point of you either are hyper this way or you are on the, also, I guess, hyper in the other way. Yeah. So. Yeah. At least for me, when I was younger, I had a speech impediment. Mm. I couldn't say my R's. My name is Rachel. I say with a W sound. She's now a speech pathologist, and like she loves it. She says it's be partially because of me because I had to have private tutoring because it was so bad in elementary school. So I didn't know how to properly say what I was thinking. Last five years or so, it's been a lot better. I've been able to really figure out between personal, professional things, how I'm feeling at the time, and what I'm going through. I think it's only been through growth and understanding of this is who I am, this is what I like, this is what, what makes me feel good, this is what makes me feel bad, this is what makes me feel emotional, this is what doesn't. So it's so different than what it was. I'll give you an example today. Like for me, when I like look good for me, I feel good. I got a haircut today, so I feel pretty good. Great. But I got my eyebrows done too. And the girl for the first time was like, oh, like how long have you been getting your eyebrows done? And I'm like, oh, been since I was 18. And she's like, oh, like that's kind of un uncommon. It's like, what, because I'm a guy? Like, yeah. and I'm not saying anything bad against her, but at the same time, I don't know, that's also like, oh, are you a manly man because you get your eyebrows done? I feel good with who I am, but is that also a, you know, double-edged sword? 
Well, I, I, um, I find it just like any person that I come across, I find that person to be extremely attractive in a, that I'm drawn to them if they're very sure about who they are and what they want. Yeah. Like that's that's one of the most attractive traits, right? And you are very clear about that. I got my eyebrows done, I got my hair cut, this is what makes me feel good. That's an attractive trait. Whether or not I think you're actually physically attractive (laughs) or not, that's besides the point. Yeah. I'm attracted to that idea that you can tell people what you want, what you need, and what makes you feel good. Yeah. Because that's the basis of any sort of relationship, whether it be a friendship, a romantic partner, you know, with your family, like I need this in this moment. Right, and that's really cool. And so, to be able to get to that point oh, takes a lot of work. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. You got anything else? No, I think I, I'm all wrapped up on this. On this. <laughs> yeah, we put, are we putting a bow on this on this topic? Oh, I, I actually I felt a lot of talking on this topic. I, I actually wanted to say something about that. So I did. I did. Oh, more. I want to say more. I guess. Uh, but I was, um, I was reading this thing, or I was listening to this podcast, this guy named Richard Reeves was talking about the percentage of kindergarten, I think I was telling you about this, the percentage of kindergarten teachers that are male. It's like, it's like 2% or something, 2 or 4% of all kindergarten teachers are male. And that's interesting, right? Because we've, we've done a lot of, tons of work on trying to get a lot of women in male-dominated industries, which is great, awesome. Fantastic. We should definitely do that. Keep doing that. Awesome. But what about the other way? Right? Isn't that just as important? Because how, how cool is it to see your kindergarten teacher being a male and portraying some of these really strong qualities that we just talked about, right? And giving that role model to a male, but also to the little girl who's there as well. So now when she grows up and she starts dating, maybe she gets in some really bad relationships, which is going to happen for everyone, but she still has this idea in the back of her head Maybe she remembers her kindergarten teacher. I don't really remember my kindergarten teacher, but you kind of get my point where I'm going. Like, okay, that's a guy who treated me nicely. He was kind, right? He was caring. He respected me. All of these things. So you have role models on different sides of the plan. And it's it's the same for a young boy to have a woman role model as well. So we can see that. Maybe he has a mom at home too. But I think it's really important to have some of those, like a male nurse, right? Someone who is in a caring profession. I've met a lot of male therapists. Those are really cool people. Um, and so we, we can be encouraging that side as well to get some males in sort of these sort of women dominated industries as well. Maybe not dominated is not the right word, but prominent, I think is maybe a better word. And so that there, that we can, we can encourage and elevate both sides to have strong role models for each individual gender that's moving forward. And I think, I think that's also an important piece, um, when it comes to it, like, just like encouraging young boys to do this type of stuff mm-hmm. so because then they have that role model and because maybe they're thinking like I really want to be a nurse but that's kind of like it's kind of lame or whatever they're like no I saw that guy he came, came to my school at career day and he was like yeah I love being a nurse because I like to help people and I care about it and all these things I'm like great that's what I'm going to do and I think that's cool right because we see like firefighters will come which is a sweet job which I would never do because <laughs> I can't uh, or like athletes like things like that right but we can give people more of a broad spectrum about how they can express their like unique gifts because sometimes we want to hide those a little bit if they're not like directly in line with what we think we should be doing because of this is what we're supposed to do instead of like trying to naturally and authentically blossom Mm -hmm. I think is important yeah so yeah 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 so that puts a bow on that one Jordan yeah (laughs) thank you okay let's get into your topic
Let's get into it. Let's get into some modern dating. Okay. Modern dating in 2022. It scares the shit out of me. Does it? Oh, yeah. Why? Um, because I have literally never been in the dating world in my entire life. Do you want to share a bit of your story? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I was in a long-term relationship with my only girlfriend ever from the age of 15 uh, into marriage at the age of 20. Started dating at 15, got married at 24. 24. Got divorced at 26. Got divorced at 26. And you're currently how old? 27. So you, you I got divorced earlier in 2022. January or February of 2022. It's currently November 9th. So it's been a little over a year. A little less than a year. Still 2022. Oh, shoot. You said 2022 you got divorced? Yeah. Yeah, we just got divorced. Oh, I thought you said 2021. So Austin was earlier Ooh, talking 2022, about how, wow. Austin was talking about how different his life has been in the last 15 months. But in the last nine months, I've gone from being married, essentially settled living in New York, to divorced with a new job, living in a completely new city all by myself. Whoa. That's a lot, man. Yeah, I think about it sometimes, and then I stop thinking about it because a lot. Does it make you overwhelmed, or saddened, or stressed, or excited, all the above? You know how people romanticize the past? I was very comfortable in my old life, and uh, it's not as comfortable anymore, but a lot of growth comes out of being uncomfortable. Sure. I have found in the last nine months. Yeah, it does. A lot of growth. Yeah. We're not that growing yet, so I don't know, you know, how much longer I have to be uncomfortable, but... Wow. So from 15 to 26, mm-hmm. you're with the same woman. 11 years. Which is, like, really cool in itself. Mm-hmm. That's a very long, probably, I hopefully imagine, very fruitful relationship. It was, yes. Yeah. You, know, you probably learned a lot about yourself. Yes. But it was probably challenging because you learned all of that with someone else. That's uh, exactly right. Uh, most of the conversation... So we had an amicable separation. It was... Uh, over, I like to say, three or four months uh, of uh, open communication with each other about um, what our concerns were, um, how they might be able to be resolved if we stayed together, some of them that probably couldn't be resolved if we stayed together, but, you know, could we settle on those um, being different? And then the, I think... One of the biggest topics was, um, were we comfortable bringing kids into uh, a relationship like this um, with the concerns that we had that might cause us to separate further down the line in the future, uh, and we were not. Mm. Uh, And then we did a short stint while we were still living together, but in different bedrooms because we had a two-bedroom place, Mm. Um, just as friends. And that worked really well. We dropped all um, obligations to each other, any sort of expectations. Uh, Communication got even better. Um, Friendship worked really well, and then we decided, you know, maybe we should just separate. So we did. And you're still friends? We are still friends. We still talk. Yes. Is that hard, or is it better this way? I think it's better this way. Uh, I think we both had 
Um, so the way we described it, I use the word togetherness a lot um, and individuality or lack thereof mm-hmm. uh, because we went through every single developmental stage from young teenager to fully blossomed adult in a like in the careers um, and we went through every single trial and tribulation together um, and while that is great it also becomes a crutch in a sense um, and we both used each other as a crutch crutch I don't mean that negatively um, in different ways um, and so that left us both with undeveloped portions of our personality that can only be developed as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of mine was actually uh, being comfortable being alone, being comfortable um, being emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. alone, um, and not always having somebody to just lean on and just figuring things out internally for a bit by myself. How's that going? Goes, it's going very well, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I'm very, I'm very comfortable being alone right now, which is almost scary because if I get too comfortable being alone, I will just stay alone um, and just continue on my life. But you frequently go out? I do. To the bars? To the bars? Yes. Yes? Um, Sometimes with a group of guys, sometimes with just a group of girls. <laughs> um, what does, uh, what scares you about, about dating? Rejection. I haven't gotten over the fear of rejection. Okay. That's, that's a very valid fear. I've never been rejected because I've never tried. <laughs> so, um, just the potential to be rejected keeps me at bay. Hmm. Yeah, well, someone great once said that you have to be willing to strike out in the same batter's box that you want to hit a home run in. Wayne Gretzky. I said it. I said it. Yes, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player, made a baseball. I forgot. There's a saying, I think, too. It's uh, the same boiling water that hardens an egg softens a potato. Yeah. 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 I mean, but you can you can listen to uh, say as many quotes as you want. Right? Yeah, so exactly. yeah, yourself out there over yeah. and over and over and over and over and over and over again. The um, at the moment, I'm just okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. So unless something happens to fall directly in my lap, <laughs> I don't foresee myself pursuing anything at the moment. Mm. Is that that is that why modern dating is so scary to you? Um, modern dating is also scary to me because um, you will get you will get two I think two different experiences so if you're on the internet you will experience um, every single girl expressing that she wants a man that is able to communicate that's able to be vulnerable um, that is willing to provide and support her Um, but when you go out you get the extreme that you expressed earlier which is the toxic males being surrounded by all of those females the ones that are emotionally unavailable unable to communicate 
um, pr productively um, would probably provide. You know, like you said, they make they usually make good money and, mm -hmm. and can support a family. Um, but it just seems like what females express that they want and what they show that they want are two different things. I think that's true for young, immature females. Well, well, yes. I'm mostly. Mostly when I go out in Dallas, it seems to be younger females. Yes, right. They're very attracted to that idea mm -hmm. because that person, they're, they're, they're not attracted to these sort of traits that they're possessing. They're attracted to this idea that this person has some sort of stature. Yes. Right. Because women, unlike men, will not date below their perceived social hierarchy. Right. They only want to date maybe even but definitely above mm -hmm. and so this person who seems to exude this sort of pretend false bravado has a lot of people around them all the time like that young immature female who hasn't gone through anything doesn't really know what she wants hasn't figured out like who she is directly will be attracted to sort of that quote unquote bad boy mm -hmm. right that sort of like narcissist type of person I don't like to use that word loosely because that's a very serious thing if you're an actually a narcissist but they had some of those traits. We all have sort of narcissistic traits, but that person is sort of uh, attracted to that. And then when you get like a real woman who like has understood what she wants, right, and is very clear on that, then some of those other traits that we're talking about and sort of what a strong man has, they possess. But they also sort of possess this sort of confidence that they can get a large group of people together, but it's not a false sense of confidence. It's like it's a real deal, right? This is who I am. And then... So then it starts to starts to kind of go the other direction. And so it's true though, right? Uh, it's, it's also interesting to, well maybe we'll, well, maybe we'll wait to get into that. But anything else to add? No, now I'm just curious what you were gonna say it was interesting. No, I'll, I'll probably get to it, but I don't know if it, if it's right here. Anyways, um, awesome, let's talk about you. Modern sure. dating, Yeah. I've seen you over, we've known each other for about a year and a half right now. That's true. Uh, and I've seen you be a single man <laughs> and, uh, and now I see you in a relationship. I haven't met your girlfriend yet, but I'm sure I will. Um, what, what's the difference in you between the two and when you were single, what was that like? Yeah. Um, the difference between me you, now you versus yeah. you as a person. Yeah. Um, honestly, just true maturity. Um, I, it's something that I think I've always, I've always, uh, I've always looked at maturity, and I've always just kind of anticipated that would come with time. But I realize that it's largely comes from experiences. I mean, I'm I'm 29 right now, going to be 30 soon. And uh, is a great age, man. It's it's interesting because when I moved here, um, yeah, I've been to Dallas a year and a half. Truly didn't know anyone when I moved here, um, and I definitely kind of carried of course moved here post COVID and I kind of carried a little bit of the mentality that I had, um, when I moved to Chicago fresh out of school, which that was, you're in your lower, your younger thirties, you're going out, you're on the dating apps, you're kind of living the single lifestyle, you're meeting a million people, you're enjoying that. You're kind of just not really settling down, not really committing. Um, and I realized there was a level of complacency that I had reached in Chicago, um, where I just was, I was having, I was having fun. I was having a good time, but year after year after year, I was still the same person. I wasn't growing, I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't really any closer to the person that I had thought that I would have been years down the line. So I think I carried a bit of that mentality, full transparency, I think moving to Dallas and um, definitely had a phase of life that was like that. 
um, and similar to that. And then realizing that I was older and, and going on dates and just not really getting um, what I wanted out of those dates. I think it was very easy to fall into the same sort of mentality and the same uh, sort of phase of life that I was in while, while I was in Chicago and given I had a few kind of short-term relationships while I was there. But um, yeah, moving here was definitely just a unique environment where um, what I was craving and what I was wanting, I wasn't always finding in the dating environment. Similar to similar to Jordan's story. I mean, it's you, you go out to bars. I mean, moving here, same with Jordan. Jordan really know anyone. And what do you do? You go out to the bars, you meet people. And it's, it's tough because you, you, of course, you desire the friendship, you desire the community, but then you also want to um, meet someone. You kind of want to have that... Um, that sort of companionship and that connection. And, and it's, it's a tricky environment to meet people like that. Um, entrance, dating apps, mm-hmm. um, go into that environment and um, kind of a very similar, similar story. Met some really, really cool people, had some, you know, some, some cool dates, but it never really went past the first or second date threshold. Um, that's where my current girlfriend now um, kind of came into play. I, I kind of reached a point where I was like, I don't really want to be on this much anymore. And I was actually very inspired by your uh, your podcast that you talked about how you met your girlfriend and who I know and love very well. Shout out. Um, but I um, was really inspired by that. And I think there's definitely, um, dating apps are great. I think they're, they're really, just with the times that we live in right now, um, they really are a remarkable thing. But I think they can be done very poorly and they can be done uh, very well. And I had a very mixed spectrum of, of how I did them um, throughout the last few years of my life. But uh, honestly, I really wanted to do them differently. And I met my girlfriend now and, and it was a different interaction. It was a different date, different conversations, the things we talked about. The, the basis of the relationship as, is, as it was in, in its early stages, um, it was fun. It was great. We had really meaningful conversations and impactful conversations. And um, it got me to kind of, of course, what we talked about earlier with masculinity, um, got me to really reevaluate a lot of areas of my life and kind of where I was living and um, what I wanted to be doing and, and honestly who I wanted to be known and perceived as. And um, she's been a really great, uh, I think, catalyst towards that, but um, not even a catalyst in a sense where it began with her. but she does a really nice job of kind of calling out um, what she sees and and really helping me to kind of guide in in my potential. So it's definitely been, I mean, I I knew Kyle in my my single age and met Jordan um, while I've been in the dating age. And of course, Aaron met you um, in the single age. So it's definitely, I I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I've, that I've really enjoyed is, is still being able to be plugged into friendship and community in both of those aspects of life. Um, which I've really enjoyed is still still being friends with with the people that were there for me when I was um, maybe a, uh, a frustrating uh, single individual, but also being friends with me when I'm, you know, being an annoying, probably guy in a relationship. So I think the biggest thing is changing for the better in a lot of a lot of different ways and, and the things that I focus on and establishing routines. And uh, she makes me doesn't make me, but she encourages me to have greens every day. Mm-hmm. So I've got these freaking powders that I that I have that I chug down after four cup of coffee and keeps me healthy. I think yes, uh, makes me want to throw up. But <laughs> so certain things like that, I think just really, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like I'm a better person. It does not mean it doesn't come with the, which I'm sure we'll get into, is some of the hardships in a relationship. But um, I do, I do enjoy the person that I am right now, and and uh, um, yeah, so. Um, 
was it hard to be uh, on the dating scene? Do you get frustrated at times? 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I think there's a lot. Kyle and I were talking about this, too. It's like you... It's tough. I mean, you you really have to, I think, moving... Much like a truly... I know I speak for I speak for us three, but like moving here in an environment where, again, um, I mean, really, it's it's we don't automatically come into this environment where we have a community of friends to meet people um, through them to then go on dates with. It really is kind of a, right. a dating app environment, or you make some friends and you meet people out, whatever it might be. So um, it definitely, it definitely, it sucks. It's hard. I mean, I truly outside of the girlfriend that I that I'm, that I'm of course dating now, my girlfriend. Um, I there's probably one singular person in Dallas that I ever went on a second date with mm. out of the dates that I had gone on. Yeah, and it was hard. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover um, on a date, especially when we're at the age that we're at now, and we have, uh, I think, more serious intentions. Of course, still want to have fun, still want to have a great time, but um, I think we're kind of more forward thinking now. Mm. Um, we realize that we're not 21, 22, and we can. Um, kind of I think spend a few years kind of figuring things out we're at the point now where we've had experiences we know what we want we really want to date more intentionally so dating is dating is harder um dating is much harder now um I don't know if it's a new environment I don't know if it's age for me personally but being in an environment kind of uh yeah it sucks it definitely felt lonely I I um a bit of the antithesis of Jordan I I hate being alone um, whether it be, of course, which is why I got a roommate. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to be alone. So I think, um, I love to be around friends and, and I definitely enjoy being around people. So, um, it's something that, uh, yeah, for me definitely took a lot more, more of a challenge moving here and being more introspective of, okay, I have to be comfortable being alone. I have to realize what I have to offer. I have to realize what I want in someone else. Um, but then to just go meet someone at a restaurant or a bar and, go from zero to 60 in two seconds, you know, and, and try to figure out their life story and your life story, but also in the meantime, having fun and realizing there's going to be a second date. It sucks. We also live in an environment too, where you kind of have to obey these hidden rules of, of new dates and dating app dates where, okay, do I, you know, how long is too long between the first match on a dating app to when I should go out with them? Mm-hmm. And then I go out with them. Okay. Do I, do I text them after? Do I let let them text me what's the what's the kind of the protocol here of how to figure out do I show too much interest did I not show enough interest and there's really a lot of unwritten rules that make it super hard because every single person that you go out with is different Mm -hmm. is different so there's not this rule book that says okay it's chivalrous for me to do these things I want to do these things one one person could hate that right that you do that one person could love that one person expects that you do more do more than you do so yeah, that was hard. It sucked. It definitely sucked. Um, yeah. There's no book? There's no book. Yeah. Oh, God. We're writing it right now. Yeah, right. I'm going to do so bad if I ever have to go on a date. No, you won't. You're no killer. You're so charming and kind and nice. Thank you. And you say good stuff and you look good and you're in shape physically. You have, you're well-groomed. You know? All of those things are very important. Well, I don't know why it's so funny. Those are all your attributes. <laughs> I was going to say something funny. I was going to ask if you were hitting on me. Well, or if you wanted to go on a date. I'd also like to clarify. If you practice comfortable being entirely alone, I prefer to have a group of friends around. Right, right, right. right, right. People. You made it sound like I'm cool with being like a hermit. No, just like, no, yeah. Unlike Jordan, I need to hang out with people. Jordan yeah. just, you know, 
stay inside all weekend. <laughs> I will not. I mean, I will, but I would, would prefer not to. Right. We can hang out this Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to dinner. On Friday? Yeah. Sweet. Um, oh, you didn't know? Uh, Hadley texted me today. Oh, okay. She's been on the pod. Everyone knows Hadley. Uh, yeah, shout out to Hadley for bringing us all together. Yeah, for sure. What a great, what a great lady. Yeah, well, I actually met Aaron outside of Hadley. Oh, but that's okay. That's all right. Did you? We, uh, shout out Cam. Yeah, Cam. Big Cam! Cam. Big Cam. Cam. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. The, um, man, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the very beginning stages of my relationship. Obviously, I'm a little farther along than you, like a year and a half in, but I think it's amazing. And there was a point in time in my, in my life where I would have never thought that would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, cheers. Yeah. Happy I for you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And honestly, to that point, I feel like I, I focus more on the single, the, the dating aspect, which truly was rough, but it is so beneficial. I know you and I met our girlfriends in very much the same way. Yeah. And, and also, had we had very similar, um, I think, entrances into that relationship, yeah. where it was a distance relationship. And I, again... Reference. I don't know. What is it? What what number of podcast was I that? forgot. Yeah, it's called Great. Sex Relationships and Porn. If you want to hear, if you're a yeah. brand new listener and you want to hear about my celibacy, which led into me meeting my girlfriend. But one thing, one thing you said on that, and and my girlfriend, she lived in Austin before she now she moved here two weeks ago. But so we we definitely did long distance for about five months, and I think the biggest thing and what you talk about as well is we were forced to. We of course met in person, and then we had a few dates, but um, you know we never really had an opportunity to explore a lot of that physical aspect outside of just sitting across from a dinner table together and, and having those conversations. And then beyond that, it was phone calls, FaceTimes, texting, things like that. And I was, I was really having to, f- to learn more about her personality and who she was and how we um, went through certain, I guess, stages of life or things in life, yeah. just being communicative. Right. And um, so it really, it is incredible. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. I, I very much adore her and she's beautiful and wonderful and it's, it really is something that um, I also I am a hopeless romantic have been for so long in my life but I think I definitely became more of a pessimist to that in the last few years um, and it really is something that um, it's hard it's it's not rainbows and butterflies constantly sure. it's, it's, it's very hard um, but it is a really beautiful and amazing thing and, and yeah I also just want to truly thank you again for your podcast has been great for that it's okay. been awesome cause it's Thanks. something I think like dating um, dating is something that you need to be intentional about and you need to do right and um, there's very much um, a way to just kind of go on cruise control and, and do those things mm-hmm. and done that been guilty of that yeah. more times than anyone probably but um, it also there's a, an, another side of that and I think we're a group of men that all desire and want that and yeah. very much have just like you said like the capability to do that and mm-hmm. incredible things to offer in that right that. so um, yeah it's great it's great very much if she's listening I like it I <clears throat> want to date you still so <laughs> let's, 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 let's keep let's doing that for six more weeks yeah keep that keep that yeah. Yeah. okay cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle yeah what's what's what do you what's your take on modern dating it's tough for sure I think I've been single since I've been here I've been here almost a year and a half now definitely a mix of the apps and people you meet I mean that's how I met you originally Mm -hmm. and it is pros and cons I guess just the age that we're in where you have to 
go on these dating apps, which, you know, I'm fine with, but at the same time, it's people who are out of your usual circles who you might meet, which is just kind of fresh and new and has its own different thing. And, you know, the pros are, hey, you meet people who you don't usually meet, but the, the cons of it is, hey, you meet somebody, but you keep swiping because you don't know if there's something better out there or someone who you might click with more who has more in common with you, which is always a negative thing to look into because once you meet someone, you should just realize it, but it's not always that way. Mm. Uh, dating has been up and down for me. I've, I've been where after first date, like I've known and she's known, it's like, yeah, I don't think this is gonna be good. Like, well, you know, it was fun for the, for the dinner or happy hour, but that's it. And I've had some that's, you know, gone into like couple month, you know, flings and, you know, things like that. So it's a, it's a pure crapshoot, to be honest. And Dallas, I've lived all over the country. I've lived in California, I lived in DC, Florida, here. This one is probably the most confusing out of them all. What do you say? I don't know. I think it's a mix of where we are geographically. I think a lot of people, I mean, to, to Jordan's point, maybe might be young and married, young who you know are exploring that and they're already either engaged or been in long-term relationships or you know people who don't know what they want mm-hmm. and coming from florida it's not a really a thing where it's like young at least where i grew up you know people might do their own thing go to college get a job and maybe later they might settle down at least that's kind of how my background with my family a lot of them settle older in life so i never thought of it as a pressure but now i mean you've met my twin brother and he's engaged which they're getting married next year and you know most tough yeah, so my thought isn't really like, I'm so happy for them, but it's, okay, who am I bringing to the wedding? You know, mm-hmm. who do I want to be there? Like, take a picture, it's not you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but that's kind of my thought. It's like, who do I want to be in those pictures and more or less forever? Who do I want to possibly bring down that road? And that's kind of my stress about it, which I know is, is someone like, oh, you need to have a relationship first or someone who you're comfortable with to do that in the first place, but that's what I'm thinking about like late at night. Mm. Yeah. You feel like you have to have someone there or you think you would make everything better if you did have someone there? Bit of both. I mean, part of the wedding party, you're definitely going to have a date. So, mm. yeah. So I definitely want someone there with me, but I want someone who I'm also comfortable with. Right. And I want someone who we look back at the photos and it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, Whoever, I don't want to be like, oh, that's some random who Kyle took to the wedding and now she's in these pictures forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But dating is every interesting. I mean, I've been on a fair good amount of dates here and a mix of dating apps and people who I've just met out. And you never really know what you're going to get. You're going to be surprised by some. You're going to be like, like my first date here went terribly. <laughs> it just went awful. But then again, the one right after that was amazing. So you never, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's also a bit challenging because, you know, the the modern woman is uh, a little less traditional than they used to be, mm-hmm. which makes it more challenging for us because then we're still expected to sort of be the sort of traditional man but we're not sure how they're going to react to certain situations. Yeah. Like most men want to pay for the meal, mm-hmm. but some women don't want that Yeah. because they're financially stable, they have their own money, all of these sorts of things. 
uh, and so it's it's like kind of what you said, right? You're you're not really sure about where we're going because we're we're not sure of them yet because we haven't gotten to know them yet. It's the first date, and so some of those sort of intricacies are very challenging. And then I think it's also telling if you do go on a first date and a woman doesn't offer to pay because mm-hmm. it's very interesting, right? You think, okay, you're going on a first date. That means both people are on their absolute best behavior. After the first date, they're not going to be as nice or as generous or as kind as they will be on the first date because they are trying to put their absolute best foot forward, right? Unless like five minutes into the date, they realize that they don't like you. Then they're just like, whatever, fuck (laughs) it, right? But, you know... Yeah. Majority of the time, that's what we're trying to present, right? This yeah. like our best selves. I always offer to pay, and so that's what we do, right? Because ever. that's a generous, kind thing to yeah. do, and I think the woman on the first date should offer to pay as well. Yeah, and but majority of the time, the man is going to be like, "No, I got it. I wanted to that's, take you out." That's really right? how. But you're saying yeah. you're saying like, "No, you don't have to pay for my time. I'm willing to pay for part of my meal because I ate." But and I'm also showing a kind gesture. Yeah. And so if they don't, if they don't offer to pay at all, right? That's as nice as they're gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's just at least what I think. Yeah. So and then when you get into sort of a more serious sort of relationship, and you've been on 150 dates, and now you have a house together, and all these things, right? The finances are still sort of in that same vein. Like we're splitting. We have this. You have an income. I have an income. We're doing things together. Mm-hmm. Things are coordinating. But if you go and you want to shop at Macy's, you want to buy a pair of shoes, you don't have to call and ask. You just do it. Yeah. Right? Because we've already established sort of these things. Um, and maybe that relays all the way from the first date when you didn't, when you did offer to pay. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Great. I mean, I don't want there to be like a quid pro quo, you know, but yeah. I want them to be like, you know, if we go on a date and stuff and I treat like, oh, I got the next one. Cool. Like, that's really nice of you. Right. But or you, she gets the drinks at the bar later. Yeah, whatever, exactly. Right? You know, yeah. it's like that sort of thing. Um, and so I think those are sort of the kind of the the update of sort of these sort of traditional roles that maybe our parents or grandparents had. Now we're sort of just like updating these sorts of things for like modern times and how we can best be suited to what we want to do and how we can do it. Where yeah. you know people are making their own money, they're financially stable. Now we're kind of sort of creating this sort of partnership together and sort of unison, like moving towards that direction. But mm-hmm. are you your your aim is to be in something serious? Yeah, if I made the right person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, of course it's not, oh yeah, by the way, like we're going out and then, you know, you have to vibe well, have good communication, can't just force it, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, that's the goal for sure. I don't want to be, I don't want to go out on all these dates. I want to meet somebody and have it be good. Yeah. So, you know, to Austin's point, it was frustrating and it still is frustrating at a point, but then hopefully it gets somewhere to where I meet somebody and that's, I know, Mm. and that's what I want to pursue and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I have another question. For me? For anyone, really. Um, Is there a difference, and if there is, what's the difference between standards and preferences? I think standards are a bare minimum, Mm. whereas a preference... um, would be a higher set of characteristics. Um, so, how do I want to say this? Ben's gonna have to edit out a moment of silence. No way, man. <laughs> Preferences versus standards. Well, I guess 
maybe I'm wrong, standards comes across as like how you are treated, whereas preferences come across as physical characteristics to me. Yeah, yeah, sure. I would say so. Uh, so they're not even in the same category. Mm. But if they were in the same category, I would say, you know, let's say we're doing physical characteristics, so you have standards of physical characteristics, so you need to be at least 5'5". Five five. My preference is 5'7". Mm. So there's, you know, but I'll take 5'5 five five if mm. I can get it. Sure. Type of, that. yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess what I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed what I meant, right? Because because a lot of a lot of females will have this sort of set of standards like uh, two. the six by six rule or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, right? Like six figures, six inches, six feet tall. There's some other six one, right? And then I'm at least six six toes. Tall. You know, those there's their there's their standards. <laughs> yeah. And when people say that, uh, other women are like celebrating them, like yeah, have those standards. That's good, high standards, and they should. Again, once again, not saying anything bad about it. Absolutely should have high standards, right? But you also have to be very honest about yourself and your current situation, right? We can't have this sort of this sort of idea of these delusional, mm-hmm. these delusional things about ourselves. Not everyone's a 10, right? All of that stuff, right? You have to be very honest about your current situation and then there's always room you can improve yourself, you can get better, you can do all of these things and then have sort of these set of standards that are in relation and that make sense to the person you are and can become and want to attract. Right, so those, so women have those sort of set of standards, and if men say anything about that, um, you know, we're uh, misogynistic, we're fat phobic, we're all of these things, right? And so, of course, there's double standards that exist. We don't have enough time on this podcast to explain and dive into every single double standard that exists. This is the one I just picked for now, so we're going to talk about it. And so I think that is interesting. And so again, then if I have preferences on top of those standards then, uh, you know, I like this over that, I like this sort of hair color, this height, whatever, whatever, someone who's in shape, physically capable, whatever, whatever, then that's sort of like, I'm like, kind of not a good person, but then in in women, it's sort of celebrated in this idea that they should have standards. And so I think, I think that matters. Uh, And I I also wanted to make that clear as to like what I meant, basically. Okay, so I, I got it. Yes, you did get it. Thoughts? Uh, I can kind of chime with that. So I feel like with standards and, and preferences is something that, um, honestly, like I, I definitely was pretty introspective okay. in when I started dating my girlfriend. Now, of, of before that, I kind of had identified like non-negotiables. So my standards are what I call like non-negotiables for me. So I've got three non-negotiables of, of I. I know that I desire to be married. I know that I desire to have children. I know desire like I, I have that desire for for me in my life. It's what I want to do. And um, so I have three non-negotiables and I apply that to, if I go on a date or do, do whatever, that is what I would use as a basis of, okay, this person at some point I need to discover if they meet these three non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Isn't always on the first date, isn't always on the second date. It can kind of take a little bit of time to, to realize that, but oftentimes to, to Kyle's point, like you, can, you kind of know in the first five minutes, hey, this isn't really working out. Right. You want to be buddies? I don't know. I kind of friends on me a little bit. Like, let's just be pals. But, um, but so my, my three non-negotiables, the first one is uh, we have to align on, like, what we believe. Like, I, we have to have, like, the same shared faith. Uh, I think we can have um, different experiences and different backgrounds on things. But ultimately, I think 
you know, faith is something for, for me and, and ideally my partner as well, where um, we use it to cope with a lot of things. I mean, I think the things in life that are really, really challenging, really tricky, um, I use that in a lot of ways to, uh, to really cope with that. So that's something that I, I want to have that in a partner. Um, it's something I find comforting. It's something I also find challenging. It allows me to be a better person, a better man, and, and really um, to go from there. And then the second one is to the for my partner to have to, to have a desire to be a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. I, I want that. I want someone who's excited about that. Someone who um, has a desire to have a child, whether we can conceive or whether we adopt. Mm-hmm. Just let's be able to take care of it, take care of a child. But also, they want to be a wife. I don't want to force anyone into into that. Um, and then the third one is, I don't care what they do in life. They could be a doctor, lawyer, you know, teacher social worker, whatever it might be, um, but have something that they're um, passionate about, whether it's a career or whether it's a hobby, have something outside of, outside of our relationship, outside of our marriage that um, you, can, you can truly be excited about that's good. And, and also same for me as well. I wouldn't expect that out of anyone that I'm not willing to abide by myself. So I think those are non-negotiables. Those are things that absolutely have to be met. Those okay. are your set of standards. Basically. Set of standards. Your values. Your preferences, of course, would be, oh my gosh, they're this height, they're this hair color, they're, they have this sort of style, they dress hipster, they dress southern chic or whatever. Right. But those are things that... But the, the preferences sort of become less important when the standards are met. Absolutely. Or I like Absolutely. to say it how, if the values are met. Like yeah. me and Re, or my girlfriend, our values align. Mm-hmm. Our virtues align. Right? And so... Everything else about her that I already thought was very attractive becomes then more attractive. And the things that I'm working on with her become less hard because we have these things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. And so this like, yeah, so that's... I think, I think to that point too, think about when we were younger, I, I always imagined, again, going back to Hopeless Romantic for a lot of my life, and I always imagined, I think I saw some Nicholas Sparks movie or whatever, probably in that book, Rachel McAdams, massive crush on her. And I was like, I always imagine, okay, that's, I want to marry someone like Rachel McAdams mm. because of the way she looked. And now that, now that I grew up, are, were we thinking for so long in our lives, were we thinking of the future person that I will be with, they look like this. Yeah. Look like this from a physical perspective, but really like, were we focusing on attributes? Okay, well, who is this person? How do they care for me? How can I care for them? Mm-hmm. How do we bounce each other out? How are they, um, how do they cope with things? How can I cope with things? How can we, how can our strengths and our weaknesses balance out? In reality, I was looking for Rachel McAdams in the flesh. Well, I haven't seen her yet, but there's certain things like that. Were we focusing for so long in our lives on attributes and did we cater our, our, our preference or our, I guess, our taste off of an image as opposed to what attributes were because we can we can date someone who has everything that we need from an attribute perspective but did they fit the seventh grade Rich McAdams celebrity crush that we had the person we thought that we'd end up with right. in reality yes maybe maybe not yeah it's, it's just hard because normally the preferences you have are what's going to get you to be initially attracted to said person mm-hmm. right you're not going to go up to a person who's across the bar or you're scrolling on hinge or whatever if you're not, you don't have this sort of initial attraction because you don't know of the, any of their intrinsic values. Absolutely. And that's the cha- most challenging part. Like if you could just look at someone, you had fucking put on these goggles and you could like see their top five intrinsic values mm-hmm. and then that's how you would go up to someone like, oh, they care about this, 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 and this. Okay, that lines up with all four of mine. I'm going to walk up to that person. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a matter of what they look like. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, oh, you look like this person. But we have to 
first see them as physically attractive because that's the only thing we can see is the external. And then hopefully when we walk in and start having a conversation that some of those values and non-negotiables and standards align. And so I think that's where not that is where it is very challenging oh, yeah. very hard yeah, yeah. but maybe one day someone will date that where like yeah. uh, that's what pops up on the screen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah five values here they are you don't get to see their picture until you align with these five values isn't there an app like that now I thought I, I feel like I've heard something there is one where you I actually just heard about it I haven't been on it but it's I guess you it's more a conversation first and if you like vibe well, I guess you could like each other and then you see the picture afterwards. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But um, Kyle, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think preferences are first, like going up to a bar, you see who you're attracted to, yeah. hoping that they have the values that you share. You know, they could be the best person, they could be the absolute worst, but you don't know that, so mm-hmm. you have to go and talk to them and figure it out. And yeah. then based on that, okay are they interested are you interested do you want to take them out you know on a date Mm -hmm. which you know isn't always the case or you could just be flat rejected and he's like oh like not interested which is fine Mm -hmm. but you gotta figure it out for yourself I mean I've been pleasantly surprised by people who originally I thought wasn't my preference who I actually felt very strongly about but that's you just gotta figure it out for yourself and get out there yeah yeah yeah, people become much more attractive when you get to know them. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But sometimes we just, we don't, we don't give it long enough or it, we don't have enough time. Or there's a lot of factors, right? But yeah. that's why I think, uh, you know, long-term relationships are so cool, mm. you know, or long-term marriages. Because you're just like willing to put in effort for the rest of your life. Mm. And that's wild, right? If you want to have an amazing life, what do you do? You, you give yourself your best effort every day. Yeah. yeah. The, whatever your best looks like that's what you give right if you want an amazing life if you want an amazing partnership or an amazing relationship it's the same thing you do um, and so when you meet someone and you find someone you're like yeah I'm willing to do that with them forever regardless of how hard it gets and what obstacles we come to face and whatever it is I know that they're next to me I'm next to them and we're going to do it together so yeah. I think that's a really great point because I think there, there definitely is um really truly a conscious decision that you have to make uh-huh. it's not always if, if you're basing a relationship off of off of feelings pure feelings feelings are always gonna they're always gonna be fleeting and they're always gonna fail you right. so if you're if you're just basing your relationship on am I always happy am I always am I always content in this situation there's gonna be days where they piss you off mm-hmm. you piss them off they're just as much in this as you are too so if, if they're basing it off of their feelings then you're gonna disappoint them and you're gonna let them down and I think I think the, the also one of the hardest parts too about modern dating now too is there's there's a bit of that menu mentality where it's okay I they they check the boxes nine out of ten in this area but that one eh, I go on a date mm, okay I can always read down the app I can always sw- keep swiping keep swiping but there really is kind of that like there really is kind of that sort of conscious effort to say okay hey you know what like no one is ever going to hit every single box that you have on your checklist and a lot of and you're never going to hit anyone at all of someone's boxes on their checklist but really identifying standards versus preferences and then making that conscious effort okay is this a good person is this a good relationship can I genuinely choose them every single day it's a choice every single day to love someone mm-hmm. and to accept love from someone else so I think I think that's the hardest part is really kind of crossing that threshold of, of really I mean truly becoming strangers with someone you're strangers and then you kind of 
transition into how do we cover all this ground and then how do I consciously choose to love you even though you're being a nightmare right now <laughs> and I'm also being a nightmare so thank you for loving me yeah. but um, it is I think I think that's something too in today's in today's day and age and, and society especially with men and I think women are getting very similar similar message as well but really kind of tapping out when the going gets tough mm. and I think that we kind of like really don't especially in the dating world we just kind of okay yeah there's again they don't they don't check this box or whatever it might be but like okay now I'm just going to go start dating someone else I'm not even going to give that person closure right. I'm just going to move forward and, and do something else so um, yeah I, I think it's it is it's tough in that regard but um, it does it does involve that that decision yeah um, very much so yeah. you think our uh, world of instant gratification has amplified that 100% yeah yeah 100%. Yeah. Because if you don't get if you don't get it in the relationship, then it's like okay, well, I deserve it, so I must I must get it from somewhere else, and then it's seconds away. You can get it within literal seconds. Yeah, and not even to mention, you know, that pornography exists. So, for men, that's extremely detrimental to our libido, our drive, the things we care about, our sex. You know, um, so that's another very important factor mm-hmm. that we didn't really touch on today. But yeah, that's something that we have to be very conscious about. Is what one is porn the first thing that taught you what sex is supposed to be, and what a woman is supposed to do supposed to do during sex is that taught through porn because that's bad and. Um, and um, I've lost my train of thought. Just the expectations, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. expectations about that. And then um, thinking about not wanting to go out into the world and give your best effort to finding a true mate and a true partner because you can just come home and masturbate to 700,000 women that are gorgeous and beautiful or whatever the case may be is, right? And so that's also holding back men and that's a that's a personal thing no one else is doing that to us yes people are making porn and there's a very large sex industry whatever but no one's forcing you to sit down and watch it that's you're making that choice and you have to also make the choice to not do that and go about and try to be this best version of you and go out and attempt and fail and struggle and get rejected and try and try and try and be the best mate that you can be outside of you know the screen that you're watching and how that could be very, very harmful to you overall and your trajectory as a male. And so mm-hmm. that's a very small piece about pornography, but it's important part of the whole dating game. And it's important part of this sort of instant gratification um, that we expect things to happen immediately. Right. The grass is always greenest where you water it. And that takes a long time. It takes a lot of effort and patience. You know, there's also a time like there's idea of like when to quit, when to quit and when to grit it out. You have to make that sort of decision and that's a very fine line in sort of in, in, in the relationship game. Like you made that tough decision, right? But it was the right one for you. You didn't quit, right? But you got you separated, you divorced, it's the same idea. Um, but when in that time is it, is it important to grit it out, to move through these really challenging, hard times together? And we have to learn those things. 
And but if all we think about is what I can get immediately if I just leave and start swiping and doing this and get on the internet, then I'm never gonna give my full effort to what's right in front of me, which could be the most incredible thing that's ever happened to you, but you gotta go through the trenches a little bit to make it happen. And so that all is very important, I think. So, but we've almost been talking for two hours. It's been two hours. It's almost nine o'clock. Wow. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll wrap this up and maybe we'll do another one but does anyone have any closing thoughts comments questions concerns last minute notes anything here's the time it's insightful to hear from different people in their different stages of their life and where they're at in a relationship yeah. I mean from my point of view from Jordan's from Austin's and, and from yours too because I've only known you as being in a relationship so very cool to hear their like your perspectives and just different takes on things that I might not necessarily think about. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell. You, I can tell you about my single life at some point. Maybe I'll do an episode about it. <laughs> First for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me. That was the, that was basically the goal. So I'm glad that came across. Just yeah. sweet, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love us. I mean, obviously, um, I mean, knowing you and also being friends with you guys uh, outside of outside of this environment, um, it's great. So I think I think environments like this need to exist. I think we can have a great time together. But at the same time, I mean, we have conversations like this off camera right. and off uh, off the podcast. And I think um, a lot of people, uh, I would say, truly find outlets like this, find um, you know, media and podcasts that can have tough conversations and you can hear vulnerable conversations and then also just I think the biggest thing is just community finding yeah. people in your life that um, are different than you um, but are also similar and, and, and share the same values and I think that's what brings us all together is we share the same values we are very aligned in that um, but we've all had very similar and different life experiences and it's, it's really fun to be able to come together in, in an environment like this and talk about that stuff so thanks yeah. for doing this i mean this is sweet yeah sweet yeah this is cool definitely i think we need a part two sure because i gotta well, pee a little bit so part two <laughs> part two would be with some uh with some women hopefully oh okay but we'll need a bigger space and yeah. more microphones yeah, so yeah. That would be a good one. but jordan any last minute thoughts thanks for having me on um it was nice to hear from other perspectives of men that have been challenged in the dating world in the modern dating world Austin seems to have figured it out, so. <laughs> 0%. 0%. Yeah. yeah. Um, sweet. Thank you guys for joining me, for real. Uh, thanks for watching or listening, wherever you did. And also, if you maybe disagreed with anything that was said, um, let me know. I would love to further chat about it, discuss it. Uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. If you think maybe we, me or all of us should dive deeper into a subject, let us know. But... Um, please subscribe on the YouTube channel, give us a review on Spotify and Apple, but most importantly, most importantly, take good care of yourselves and others, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.